This is Sports View, WNUL's premier sports talk show featuring guests from Thundering Herd Athletics. Sports View is presented by the award-winning FM 88 Sports Team. Tonight's host of Sports View. Good evening and welcome into Sports View, tonight's edition that features the voice of the Thundering Herd, the radio voice of the Thundering Herd, Steve Cotton. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers. To follow in the second half, Ben Cower will sit down with the Marshall softball team. Steve, first though, thanks for joining us here on the set. Glad to have you with us. Oh, certainly glad to be here. Let's start, obviously, with getting into broadcasting. When was that something that you knew you wanted to pursue and obviously now here with the herd for several years. You know, I actually know the exact date that uh, that journey began, and it's just over 50 years ago, as a matter of fact. My seventh birthday, so 1971, May the 12th, 1971, my parents gave me a little transistor radio for my birthday. And uh, I actually grew up sort of in the backwoods of northern Michigan. And when I talk about backwoods, uh, literally went to a one-room country schoolhouse, like Little House in the Prairie. We were so far out and away Mm -hmm. from any towns. And the school's still going. My cousin's kids recently finished up there. It's kindergarten through eighth grade and has a a row of bookcases down the middle of the room. And uh, the little kids on one side and the big kids on the other. So not enough. When I was there, we had uh, as few as about 25 students in the whole school, kindergarten through eighth grade. So we didn't have sports teams or anything like that. And uh, my family wasn't into sports. So just had no background in it whatsoever. But my parents gave me that radio for uh, my seventh birthday. And I remember, I don't know if it was that night, but within the first few days after that, first couple of days, I was lying in bed, kind of tuning through different music stations on the dial and came across a broadcast of the Detroit Tigers baseball team. And they, uh, I didn't have any clue at the time, but they had one of the all-time great radio play-by-play men in Ernie Harwell, who was uh, well into a career of 40 years calling the Detroit Tigers, and he'd already been in Major League Baseball for several years prior to that. So uh, I was just, even though I didn't know what this man was talking about, I was enthralled. All the sounds and not only his descriptions of the game itself, but uh, you could hear the organist there at the stadium and the uh, hot dog vendors kind of hawking their stuff mm-hmm. out in the stands. So all those sounds, I just thought, that is so interesting. And again, didn't know what in the world he was talking about in terms of baseball. So I was literally a fan of sports on the radio before I was even a sports fan. And after that, you know, over the, that summer and uh, the, the couple of years that followed, I got to know more and more about baseball but also that station in uh, the station came out of Cadillac, Michigan, would in the summer after the baseball games ended play the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And it was radio dramas. And so I was hooked on radio, loved it from the young age, again, starting at seven years old. And I uh, didn't know that at that time I would end up making a career in radio, but I was certainly a radio fan from that point on. You mentioned Mr. Hallwell. Was there anybody else along, especially when you were younger, and even maybe 
uh, into your college days and all that sort of thing that you kind of picked up on? You're like, okay, I kind of like that guy. I want to continue to maybe mold myself after any other broadcasters. I didn't necessarily – I certainly had guys I was a fan of, and uh, the late Dick Enberg was one I noticed right away because he had gone to Central Michigan University and was a classmate with one of my uncles. Mm -hmm. And so once I became a sports fan, my uncle pointed out that guy to me, and uh, he was one of the great broadcasters, one of the most versatile of all time. When you would turn on a big event on TV, Dick Enberg was often one of the guys there. I remember uh, what uh, a great voice Keith Jackson was once I, a few years later. I was baseball, baseball, baseball for the first few years. But once I started paying attention to college football, Keith Jackson was on. And, and there weren't many broadcasts. You had your one game on Saturday, yeah. and uh, Keith Jackson was the voice there. So uh, he, he was one uh, who I knew right away. When you heard that voice, you knew something important was happening. And uh, there was a... a man who did the radio play-by-play -play for the University of Michigan named Bob Eufer. And he was an entirely different kind of a broadcaster. He uh, was kind of a rah-rah cheerleader type and totally unlike any of the national guys who kind of have to call a game down the middle. Mm -hmm. And unlike Ernie Harwell, who was certainly the Tigers broadcaster and called games from the point of view of a Tiger fan, but uh, was also very appreciative of the other team making a good play and, and that sort of thing. He just appreciated good baseball. But uh, Bob Eufer, on the other hand, he was all maize and blue of Michigan, and it was kind of a, a crazy broadcast, certainly not the style that I emulate in any way, but as a youngster, it was certainly exciting. And that's the kind of thing that as a kid, when you don't really know the ins and outs of the broadcast of the game, the, the broadcast is what pulls you in. And so uh, it was different. It was exciting. He was hooting and hollering and yelling all through the broadcast. And so he's another one that I remember. And he stood out from my early days of paying attention to sports on the radio. Let's talk about your previous steps before joining the Thundering Herd Sports Network and being the voice of the herd, obviously a stop at Carson Newman. You eventually land here in Marshall. Uh, didn't initially, weren't the initial radio voice of the herd to cook a couple of years, worked with Stan Cotton. So talk about your journey before that and how it led you to this opportunity. Jump back uh, to Michigan. And when I got to high school, the company that my parents both worked for, Bear Archery, they made bows and arrows, moved from Grayling, Michigan to Gainesville, Florida. So I spent high school right there in Gainesville with the University of Florida. Really never even looked at other schools. UF was right there. And at that point, I was still not thinking about a broadcasting career, even though by then I knew that I uh, thought that that would be a great job mm -hmm. but and, and sort of imagined myself doing that a little bit. But uh, I was also fairly realistic and thought and was still focused pretty much on baseball in terms of if if there were to be any broadcast career and so you know that there are you know 30 jobs out there as a play-by-play -play guy and they don't leave i mean ernie harwell was at that point you know 25 years into his tiger career that would end up being 40 years and so those jobs just don't come open very often i was an electrical engineering major at the university of florida and made it into my junior year. I, at that point, came to realize there was no way I could see myself sitting 
at a computer designing computer chips mm -hmm. at a desk all, all my, you know, for the next 40 years or whatever. So I knew that wasn't for me. I was probably going to change within engineering to maybe like civil engineering, a kind of job where I could be out on the site, outdoors, seeing things. But I also, because of where I was in the year, knew that I was basically kind of out of sorts for a semester. I thought, you know what, it's gonna, I'm not going to get back into the engineering, the, the routine, the, the, the prerequisites and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. until next fall. I'm going to take one semester of broadcasting classes. I have always said, and I thought Ernie Harwell had the greatest job in the world. And let's see if, uh, you know, maybe I, I always, you know, I called games in my head out in the backyard playing, you know, basketball by myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. So let's see if I really could do this. And I took that one semester and never thought about anything else. I knew I was hooked on radio at that point and wanted to give it a shot. Joining Marshall here and joining the Thundering Herd Sports Network, what has been the biggest transition for you to getting the voice and being the voice of the herd to really now? What was the biggest transition? It's over 25-plus uh, years now you've been here. So what's been the biggest transition? How have you learned the most uh, with your time here? And how have you kind of uh, um, more so transitioned your calls of games from the beginning? I don't know that I actually call games a whole lot differently than, than at first, but I was extremely lucky when I uh, came here, and again, I, I, I had uh, worked at Carson Newman, now university, at that time Carson Newman College, for four years. It was my first job out of the University of Florida with Stan Cotton. You mentioned him. No relation. His name's C-O-T-T-E-N. I'm C-O-T-T-O-N. But uh, one of my best friends in the world, his daughters call me Uncle Steve, so it's uh, pretty, uh, it's understandable why most people think we're related on several different levels there. But uh, I had gone back from Carson Newman to the University of Florida. I called women's basketball and baseball at UF. And then a year later, Stan left Carson Newman. He became the play-by-play -play guy here at Marshall. Mm -hmm. Well, I had sort of set as a deadline for me being, you know, if I can't make this career work by the time I'm 30 years old, it's time to think about what my real job's going to be. It's going to be time to, to grow up and move on. And so I was approaching 30 years of age, and I said, you know what, it's, uh, it's, it didn't work out for me. I, you know, I was able to call games, but never at the point where I was making much money. And uh, even at, at that point, while I was at the University of Florida doing radio for the Gators, but my main income at that time came from driving a forklift, a forklift at that bow and arrow company that mm -hmm. my parents had worked for. So I decided to go to graduate school. I was planning to go back to Central Michigan University near the closest school to where I had grown up. And Stan really uh, decided that that was a bad move for me, even more than I believed in myself. He said, you know what? You need to keep striving for that radio career. You can do it, and you need to come to Marshall. We'll put you to work as our sideline reporter, and we'll uh, figure out a way to make grad school work, and so on and so forth. So. I did that. It worked out well. Stan was kind enough to uh, leave Marshall and get the radio job at Wake Forest University when I needed the job and uh, got his job and I've been there ever since. So back to your original question, what's changed? The uh, technology is different. Once upon a time, it was all about, uh, and a good part of my job, aside from being on air, was recruiting stations on a radio network 
and affiliate relations and because you, you needed to be you needed to have a radio signal that could reach anywhere fans wanted to listen or they were out of luck a whole lot different now people anywhere can uh, use their phone listen on the app you know, it's funny you get uh, reports of who utilized the uh, app and listened uh, so they can check those back at uh, Learfield our multimedia rights holder and Every week you can see that somebody was listening in Bangladesh or Mongolia or anywhere in Europe. So that's kind of crazy. And that's probably as big a difference as anything in uh, how people consume their media from the time I began. But in terms of calling the games, the nuts and bolts, uh, you know, the equipment's a little bit different. Everything's digital now and was analog when I first began. But it didn't take too long till we went digital with pretty much everything. And, and since then... After that was the main change, minor tweaks in the kinds of equipment and that kind of thing. But as far as uh, that, that really doesn't make a, di a whole lot of difference in the way my life moves from day to day in calling games. You mentioned, and this is more of a personal question here, you mentioned electrical engineering major. So when you first stepped foot and did some Florida women's basketball and then joined the Thundering Herd Sports Network, was it a challenge for you not having a ton of experience and going to school for that? Was it a challenge starting out for you to kind of grow and develop uh, as a sports broadcaster initially because of not having really, quote-unquote, a long background with it? You know, it, it wasn't, and I probably, uh, had I been smarter about everything, it would have been more of mm -hmm. that. But I still had in my mind, oh, I'll go be a civil engineer. You know, I was a good student in engineering, so that part wasn't going to be a problem. I was just kind of having fun for a semester. And so there wasn't a whole lot of pressure on me right then. Now, of course, going on air, you're nervous the first few times you do that for a sports cast. And uh, the University of Florida, uh, the campus radio station is actually a, com a commercial AM-FM station. And so we were tossed in right away to, you know, ratings mattered and you needed to get uh, the commercials played or people didn't get paid. And all yep. of a sudden that's a problem. So there's a little bit of pressure once you got on air. But again, I, I said, well, if this doesn't work, I'm you know, right back as an engineering student. So I never felt it really that way. We'll take a break. Steve Cotton, the voice of the Thundering Herd, is with us here on SportsView. Take a break. Talk more with Steve here on SportsView. You will die today, old man. I know why you are here. You are here because you do not like WMUL. Oh no, WMUL is my favorite radio station. It plays the best variety in the tri-state area. I actually came because you killed my father, swine merchant, prepared to die. You have tasted 88.1 WMUL's cutting edge. Now you will perish on mine. 88.1. The cutting edge. Welcome to Marshall University. We hope you enjoy your stay. But we know sometimes college students can get a little down. Introducing the cutting edge of all ailments, WMUL. Feeling homesick? No problem. WMUL will keep you company all day long, from our 6 a.m. morning shows until late night alternative. Tired of pinching pennies? Then WMUL is perfect for you. Marshall's very own radio station is 100% commercial free. We hope you enjoy our presentation, and don't forget to listen to 88.1 WMUL.
back to Sports View. I'm Andrew Rogers, joined by the radio voice of the Thundering Herd Sports Network, Steve Cotton. Steve, obviously this is a sports broadcasting business where a lot of people would like to move up sometimes when you get a job. Uh, You can always look for another one, but you're in your 25th year now uh, as the radio voice. So what what determined for you that Marshall would be your final stop? Maybe, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Is it not? Maybe not be your final well, spot. Well, I believe but, at this point it yeah. probably is. Uh, I'm getting kind of old for um, a whole lot of schools to be wanting to to hire the old guy. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't in my head necessarily at the start. In fact, when I first came to Marshall in 1993, as a graduate student, I was figuring I'd be in Huntington, West Virginia, for a year, maybe 18 months, and then mm-hmm. uh, you know find my next stop. And uh, talked earlier about how Stan Cotton encouraged me to stick around. And even after I finished the degree, the degree it was uh, more than a year before Stan got the job at Wake Forest University. And again, he kept encouraging me, don't, uh, don't give up on that dream. It's, it's just that close. And so that part worked out. I got the job. Now, Marshall had been fortunate in its radio broadcast history. There were some really talented, very good play-by-play announcers. 1987, one year, Bill Roth, who went on from there to Virginia Tech and is in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and now kind of is a professor in the sports media program at Virginia Tech, but calls games on ESPN and different platforms. After he left, you had uh, Wes Durham come through for a year, the son of Woody Durham, one of the all-time legendary sports broadcasters at the University of North Carolina. But Wes has become a legend himself does the Atlanta Falcons now and a lot of uh, ACC network sports. And then you had Stan, who was here for four years, really talented guys. And I was nervous if I could fill those shoes. There were high expectations. Marshall had done really good radio. Mm -hmm. And fortunately for me, one of the lucky breaks is that uh, my first game as Marshall's play-by-play announcer was also Randy Moss's first game as a Marshall football player. So that first year, 15-0, Marshall dominates the 1AA level, wins the national championship. And I spent all fall saying touchdown hurt over and over and over again. And so that is a big part of the way the listening audience is going to enjoy your broadcast if they're having fun. And so they were all loving it. They thought the guy who says touchdown heard many times every game must be doing a good job because they're enjoying what he hears. So, And the Marshall football team went 50-4 and four my first four years. So there were a whole lot of great days, not very many bad days. And I think that helped the Marshall listeners feel comfortable with me right away, made me feel at home very quickly. And at that point, uh, again, I don't know at what juncture I stopped thinking about other jobs, but fairly early on, I knew I had it pretty good, that this was a good spot. The grass is not always greener, especially than the uh, Kelly Green folks. And so Mm -hmm. I was going to be pretty picky. And honestly, I have... I've applied for a couple of jobs, not for many years at this point. A couple of other opportunities have come looking for me, but I have never advanced far enough on either direction there that I did an official interview for another job. So at some point along the way, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years in to what is now you know, 25 years as the voice of Marshall Sports, I really uh, 
stopped thinking about that and said, you know, if, if this is my one and only spot, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Let's talk about some of your milestones. Obviously, even this past weekend, you get inducted into the West Virginia Broadcasting Hall of Fame, 14-time uh, Sportscaster of the Year here in West Virginia. Uh, over 1,000 broadcasts, you surpassed that last year. So what does all that kind of say for you, and how do you kind of take all that in now that you're in the uh, West Virginia Broadcasting Hall of Fame as well? That is gratifying. I, you know, It's kind of cool when people say they think that you've done a pretty good job. But again, I look at it as... I've been lucky to be at Marshall University, which has a fan base that cares about sports. They are interested, they are involved, and I get to uh, be a part of that. And even though uh, we talked about the way that the uh, way we consume media is very different, it is still uh, a, a medium that's important to sports fans. And in fact, a story I'll tell here is one that I uh, told during the West Virginia Broadcasting Hall of Fame induction ceremony. That really was driven home to me about 10 or 12 years ago now. We were at a Marshall Athletics fundraising event. The Big Green does its coaches tour every summer. And after the event, we were packed up. All the coaches and administrators had uh, given their speeches. We were ready to hit the road and head back to Huntington. And a man came walking up to me. And you could tell that uh, he'd had kind of a tough life. He uh, had a real slow shuffle of a walk. In fact, every time he took a step, you kind of worried that he might lose his balance. You could tell he was having to focus just mm -hmm. to walk. And he had a football and a Sharpie. And uh, not that I get asked to sign autographs every day, but it, it happens every once in a while, and especially at events like that. Mm -hmm. And he said, Mr. Cotton, would you please sign my football for me? And I said, well, of course I would. Well, I took it. Well, then I looked down at the ball. And it had three autographs on it already. You had Bob Pruitt, Chad Pennington, and Randy Moss. That's good company. And well, and I, but I said, uh, sir, let's see if we can. I, we've got other things here for me to sign. Said the way these things work is that this is a valuable football. You've got legends, Hall of mm -hmm. Famers here. And the minute I sign my name on that, the value drops to all the collectors. And uh, so let's go ahead and find something else. And he just uh, looked at me. And he said, I am not going to bore you with all the details, but I've had a tough time of things the last few years. And I don't get out of the house much. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I look at this football and it reminds me of the greatest times of my life. I loved going to those games in Huntington. My friends and I traveled to the bowl games and the other big games. And those are my very happiest memories. And when I think about those big games and those big plays, I hear you narrating it all in my head. And I am not ever going to sell this football. I don't care what the collectors say the value is. Mm -hmm. And then he said, and it is late and I am tired and would you please just sign my blankety blank football? And so I went ahead and I wrecked the value of, of, of his football. <laughs> And the thing is, that is not a story about me. I'm a bit part there in the story of radio and how that man connected with Marshall and with the uh, Thundering Herd teams through that radio the same way that, you know, now 50 years ago, I was connecting with my best buddy, Ernie, whom I had never met by listening to the Detroit Tigers. I want to transition here from the final few minutes that we have here with you on Sports View to some of the things you like to do when not calling games. Obviously, I know 
Uh, you're big into wood carving. That's something that you found a passion for, but also uh, into the martial record books and kind of finding more things about the numbers there. So what role have you played in that aspect? Yeah, I am employed by the athletic department, and uh, I work in sort of the media relations and external area of the department. And one of the things that had been frustrating is uh, that over the years, Marshall, for whatever reasons, and there are several of them, mostly not having a very big staff, Marshall didn't have a very good record book. And so those first years when I was doing the play-by-play with Randy Moss and then Chad Pennington and Byron Leftwich, it was always a little bit frustrating to say, ooh, that might be an all-time record, but we don't really know. Yeah. And then I was really sparked again when we hit the uh, Rakeem Cato and Tommy Schuler era. And I said, this cannot go on. I'm the one guy who uh, is interested, number one, has a time of year when I'm not especially busy with broadcasting and that kind of thing from the end of basketball season until you get to fall camp for football. Mm -hmm. And I had the support then of uh, Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick, who as a Marshall alum and a longtime athletic director realized how important those kinds of things were. So he said, yes, I want you to dedicate your time in, uh, when, when you have time, and it's going to take years, to building up the record book. So I worked backwards through Marshall's history and game by game put together uh, what is now a, a record book that is well over 200 pages long, eight and a half by 11 pages. When I started, it was a few pages, maybe uh, 15 or 20 pages in the media guide. So now we have a separate record book, and there's much more to do there. So I'm into history in general. And I uh, like the research, and I, uh, so that, that's been something that's helpful. And frankly, long after I'm gone and nobody remembers who that guy was who did Marshall Radio during those years, that record book and that kind of research is going to be useful to Marshall Athletics. The other thing you mentioned, uh, wood carving, was that my dad was a woodworker. And my whole life, I've been around that. Uh, he taught my 4-H woodworking class. And after mom and dad retired in Florida, they moved back to the uh, family farm in Michigan. So they kind of got it backwards from most of the retirees. <laughs> but uh, dad picked up wood carving. A friend of his said, you know, you're a, a woodworker and there's a big wood carving show that uh, goes on every summer for a few days, not far, less than an hour, or maybe a little over an hour from where they live. So he got into that, and one summer I'd go on vacation up there uh, for a good part of July every year. And I uh, was sitting there, and I looked down, he had a wooden cowboy boot, and I said, oh, hey, uh, what's that about? And he said, oh, yeah, I uh, took up carving, and uh, I said, you know, you've always been all right at woodworking. A few minutes later, he, he took off, and he came back in, gave me a little knife, and uh, a piece of wood cut roughly into the shape of a cowboy boot and said, see what you can do with that, and I kind of got hooked on it. One final question here for you, Steve. Uh, over, obviously, the course of now 25 years, this being your 25th year as being the radio voice of the Thundering Herd, favorite game that you have called, maybe most memorable game, and which one and why? Ooh, and it's, it's hard a tough to pick one. one. Yeah, yeah, there are uh, a handful that certainly stand out. And when you win championships, that is uh, a big part of when the team's successful. So you're right off the bat, 1996, that 15-0 season. The Montana game in the national championship game at Edwards Stadium, a blowout win over Montana in a revenge game. Montana had beaten Marshall in the national championship game here in Huntington. 
the year before that. So that whole uh, ser series of events was amazing. Not necessarily one game. Uh, you pick out a great game. You had uh, on the football side, 1999 Mid-American Conference Championship game. Marshall was undefeated, ended up 13-0, and ranked number 10 in the country. And it was all hanging in the balance in the MAC championship game against Western Michigan, a team that Marshall had beaten up in Kalamazoo earlier in the year. But all of a sudden, it's the middle of the third quarter, and Western Michigan leads that game 23 to nothing. And at that time, the Mid-American Conference had only one bowl tie-in. So if Marshall loses that game, you could end up in the top 15 in the country but not even be in a bowl game, period. Mm -hmm. And Chad Pennington and company lead a huge comeback and a pass to Eric Pinkerton right at the end of the game. Four seconds left. Marshall takes the lead, gets the win, goes on to just clobber Brigham Young in the bowl game. You had the amazing uh, GMAC Bowl win over East Carolina after trailing 38-8 to eight at halftime in that game. So many uh, crazy games like that. Basketball, the uh, Conference USA Championship in 2018, and going on to beat Wichita State in the tournament, that, that is certainly a career highlight as well. Steve Cotton with us here on Sports View. Steve, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Sure thing, Andrew. Yep, Andrew Rogers here with you on Sports View. When we come back, we'll have the Marshall Sports Update. Justin Zimmer recaps Cross Country's last meet, and then Ben Cower will be sitting here talking with Marshall Softball next on Sports View. WMUL Sports Flavor Parlor at FM 88.1. What can I get for you, man? Uh, I don't know. What kind do you have? We have all types of award-winning sports flavors. Here, try a sample of Ferocious Football. He takes the low snap, avoids the rush, will fire it down. Philly's got wide open. Xavier Gaines at the 15-yard line. Gaines is going to take it into the end zone for a touchdown, thundering her. Wow, that was awesome. How about an earful of soaring soccer? Over the goal kicker's head, it will be a goal. Outside of the box, Jamil Roberts with a long goal. Try vicious volleyball. Set up by Coulter for Sierra DeBell. Down in the kill and a match for the thundering herd, 25 to 21. Slamming softball. Next pitch on the way. Harrell drives this one deep over into left field. Look up and say goodbye. Allie Harrell with a solo home run. Oh baby, this place is popping. Give me a serving of FM88 Sports for each day of the week. Coming right at you, right here on WMUL 88.1 FM. In the penultimate meet prior to the 2021 Conference USA Championship, Marshall's cross-country team competed in the Vert Cross Invitational, hosted by High Point University. At the meet, the women's team finished fifth, and the men's team finished sixth overall. Head coach Caleb Bowen spoke on the team's overall performance. I'm pretty excited. For the women, They, I thought they raced really well. Once again, times don't show how well they did, just because it was 80, you know, 4, 85 degrees when they ran. Same for the men, but no, it was definitely one of our better performances at High Point. Uh, you know, Abby getting seventh place, that ties what Adriana Cook did back in 2016. So that's exciting. You know, she's our school record holder in the 5K indoors and 3K indoors. So that shows that Abby's right there. And uh, some of the women that she was racing with you know, were ladies who have broken 17 minutes in the 5K. So it shows how fit she is. 
I'm definitely excited about our two and three being in the top 30 or top 33. And then as now we just need to work on getting our four and five closer to those two and three and then getting our two and three closer to the Abbey. So yeah, definitely encouraged by it. And on the men's side, it was definitely tougher because they ran in a hotter time of the day than the women did. And then the competition is still pretty good as well. But, you know, we had a really close pack, which is good. Um, I think they all just need to move up some, and they definitely can. You know, today's workout showed that, just doing it on race day. For the women's team, the top finisher was Junior Abigail Herring. She finished with a time of 18 minutes and 9.1 seconds. The race was pretty good. It was a good competition. I think about 12 teams were there. It was pretty hot, so the weather was kind of rough patched through that. But um, yeah, the race was good. The course was pretty flat. Um, I think our team performed pretty well considering the conditions. On the men's side, Evan White was the top finisher, finishing with a time of 27 minutes, 21.6 seconds. However, though, he was the top finisher. He did struggle due to the conditions of the heat. I feel like I did okay. Basically, we showed up and it was it was really hot. So it was a real, we've been training in a lot cooler weather. So going there, very different than here. I wasn't fully prepared. I was a little dehydrated going into the race and really felt that in the last, after the 5K, I had the 5K feeling good. And then after that kind of fell back a little bit, felt really, started feeling all dehydrated. Felt like I was gonna pass out, but finished strong, felt good. Overall, team ran really good. Marshall Cross Country will be back in action next week, Saturday, October 30th at the 2021 Conference USA Championship. For FM88 Sports, I'm Justin Zimmer. The student broadcast voice of Marshall University, WMUL-FM, Huntington. Welcome back into Sports View. I'm your host for the second portion of the show, Ben Cower, Andrew Rogers, Steve Cotton in the first half, Justin Zimmer with that halftime update. I'm here with the Marshall uh, women's uh, excuse me, Marshall women's softball team. Uh, sorry, I'm a tad nervous. Uh, I'm here with the Marshall women's softball team, uh, joined tonight by Allie Harrell, uh, Maya Stevenson. Sydney Nestor, and Coach Megan Smith-Lyon. Welcome on the show. Thanks for having us. All right. Let's uh, just start, start things off with a, a fairly, I mean, it's a simple question, but just delve into the past a little bit. When did you realize you wanted to pursue uh, collegiate athletics or just softball in general in college? Um, I think for me, probably, I feel like it kind of hits you around like, 13 or 14 that this is something you want to do growing up and watching everyone play on the big screen and then it's kind of something that I worked for to want to pursue and go to college and play for something bigger myself and come to Marshall. I think for me um, it was probably the same age probably 12, 13, 14 um, and realized that I was able and I had the talents to um, pursue softball at the next level um, and so when I I was able to figure that out and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous <laughs> right now, too. But um, Don't worry. Anyways, don't worry. But, yeah, so about that same age, I realized um, that as well and um, carried on. And, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Um, I feel like at 12, 13 was when, sorry, uh, that um, – you realize how Sydney said that your talents are like good enough to get you to that ne next level, and that part was n working hard from there on to prove yourself to like the college scouts, and then um, around like 15, 16 was when it was like became more real and was able to finally pursue like that childhood dream, watching other girls on 
uh, TV and now being able to be that person? Well, uh, don't don't be worried. Uh, we're all a little nervous. It's a first for a lot of people tonight. Uh, but opposite of first, a return fall ball back in the schedule for all four of you. Uh, as the team returns to the dot, uh, what has you all the most excited about all the upcoming games, and uh, what are you looking to improve upon as a team? Well, I'm going to speak first. Um, you know, last year with COVID. It was really devastating the fact that we couldn't play other teams. And we did our best and played each other and tried to do the best that we could. But, you know, it's totally different when you have other teams come into the dot and you play and you get to unify as a team and see what you got, you know, against an opponent. And so we played our first games this past weekend as a team, and it was so much fun. I mean, the, you know, my message to our players was – how much fun I had just watching them compete. You know, you know, last fall we didn't get that opportunity, and this fall just to be able to see them go out and unify as a team and work together uh, to compete against someone else, it was a ton of fun. Um, we have awesome returners. We've got two really talented transfers, and we've got a really strong group of freshmen. And so our team right now, um, it's just a, a, a joy to watch them play and compete together, and we're excited for this next weekend to play again. All right, Coach. Uh, just to continue on, because uh, fantastic answer to that question. Uh, you know, you, you've been here, Marshall, this is your fourth season now, uh, hired July 2018. Uh, you've been coaching college softball for 15 years, and uh, you've had plenty of success, and prolonged success in college, is, as we all know, is incredibly difficult, and yet you have stood the test of time. Uh, you've coached plenty of great teams and for plenty of schools. What impresses you most about the team that you have right now? Well, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to have talent. I mean, let's not pretend like you can't win games. You have to have talent to win games, and, and we've got a ton of talent. Um, but, you know, what goes further than that and what's really critical for teams to be successful is leadership and the ability to play as a team and work as a unit and have that team chemistry. And, you know, what really stands out with our team right now is we have a lot of players that are committed to being leaders, to working on their leadership potential, and to really develop those skills, which is really important. Um, so we're able to have uh, not just coaches leading the team, but also players that lead the team when we're in, during games, when we're in practice, when we're traveling, when we're off the field. You know, that's really an important piece. Um, so that's something that's been really, really impressive uh, for me to watch these players, uh, you know, really invest in themselves and become better leaders to help lead our team. And just, you know, uh, for, I guess, you know, uh, one thing I just read is that a family weekend just passed by. And, you know, I know family means a lot to all four of you as you go out there and, and play. Uh, and family means a lot in our purpose of what we do as, as players and athletes and just really any, anything that we do in life. Uh, when you all step on the field for a game, uh, what are you the most uh, proud of to display for your family as you step on that field? Um, I think for me, I'm most proud to display like the hard work that they put in and like being able to show that what all the money, all the time, all the effort that they put in paid off and that I'm doing what I love and that all that um, all their energy they put into me is being portrayed for like a bigger purpose for me playing the game I love and then showing those other people behind me younger than me that there is that chance for them too. So I think that's really big. And like my family comes to about every game. So just being able to see them in the stands and see them through every single part of my journey, I think it's great. 
I would also agree with Allie, um, but also I would just, I don't get to see my family very often, so every like month or so, um, and then being able when they were at family weekend to show them like my progression and you know my dad hasn't caught me for a few months and so to show him like what I'm working on and just through like the communication um, that we've had like over FaceTime and calls and stuff like that to be able to show him in person um, through family weekend and the games and stuff like that um, of what I've been working on and what the coaches and I have, we've been all talking about so I think you know one of the things that I'll speak to the family weekend that's the highlight of my year right right there. I mean, it was such an awesome weekend. And, you know, for me, I'm a parent. I have a 14-year-old. And to be able to open up our field and, and bring the parents back and make them a part of what we do, that was important to me, you know, to, to make sure that they understood that we um, want them a part of what we're doing. And to be able to watch our players throw with their dads and their moms and have their uh, dads hit some front toss and try to hit home runs and, and have some quality time with the parents. I, I can't tell you, that's probably um, the happiest I've been since I've been at Marshall, just watching them enjoy their families. It was a really special, special weekend. And uh, Allie, I, uh, you in particular, uh, you, I, know, I understand that while you were growing up, your, your father was... Uh, your father was your coach growing up, and uh, I understand that. Uh, you know, how, how did having that personal connection with your coach at such an early age, but all the way up through, uh, how did that help you develop as a player? <laughs> well, um, I know a lot of girls have had their dads as coaches, but it it kind of makes you a little tougher because it's going to be that father daughter kind of love and. Um, I thank him a lot for it because he always a little harder on me, hit those fungo balls a little harder, <laughs> made me move up a little closer, and he hit a man. And I don't know, I think that really kind of grew me as like a character, always um, never quitting. If I miss that one, I always ask for another. And I don't know, I'm really thankful for having him there and always, and he loves his wiffle balls. And um, he always um, goes back to him saying that he helped me with my swing, and I, I agree, and I think that, it's great having had him as a coach and always being there every step of the way. So I enjoyed it. And Sydney, you mentioned that you, you sadly do not get to see your family a lot, but mo what most people don't know is that you are a transfer. Right. You just transferred from NC State. Now you're here in Huntington. Uh, you know, one thing I found fascinating was that you have already earned your bachelor's degree uh, in sport management in just three years how on earth did you balance the, uh, earning a college degree in just three years and being a college athlete? Well, luckily, um, I was blessed enough to have some opportunities and make some choices as I was growing up. Um, and so I graduated high school a semester early and took some classes through a community college. And so that was able to, um, I was able to grab some more college credits and stuff. So I came in as a sophomore technically, even though I was a freshman on the field. Um, but it was tough, um, you know, and I also got to do my internship um, a semester early, or a summer early, um, rather, um, and so it was, you know, you just got to have your priorities straight um, with softball and school and stuff, and, and, you know, I'm very thankful that I got to go ahead and graduate in three years, because if I hadn't have, I don't know if I would have been able to transfer, um, or it would have made that situation a little bit more um, sticky um, and not as clean cut as it was. Right, and Coach Lyon, uh, you specifically, 
when it comes to academics, uh, you know, it's incredibly difficult uh, for, for athletes to balance schoolwork and, and you know, just playing college athletics in general. Uh, you know, a lot of people might presume that GPAs might slip if you're an athlete, but uh, your athletes historically, academically, have have soared. I mean, they uh, you've had players named to the Conference USA uh, Commissioner's Honor Roll 45 times. Uh, seven have received academic medals, and 10 have been NFCA Academic All-Americans. Uh, in what ways do you encourage focus on the field and then even more focus off the field academically? Well, you know, I think first we have an unbelievable support system that works with our athletes in regards to their academic uh, progress and success. And, and, you know, we can't do it without them. You know, they're the ones that, that really get the credit for that. But I do think, you know, one thing that's important for me with our players is that we talk about priorities and making sure that we understand the purpose and why we're here. And, yes, we want to compete to win championships on the softball field and become the best softball players we can be. But at the end of the day, the majority of those young women – are going to go on and do something else other than be softball players. And so, you know, taking their academic, um, their academic career seriously and taking time to make sure they're investing and being successful academically, that's important to me. So anytime our players need to leave for class, if they need to schedule class during practice, I will never tell them no. We will work with them. We will make sure that we get them the practice that they need to work around their class schedules. Because at the end of the day, their priority is school first, and softball is a very, very close second. So, you know, we want to make sure that they're taking care of their academic success. And, again, our academic center and the support services we have for our athletes here are second to none, and they do a really good job to help our players. All right. Uh, we're going to head to a, a quick break real quick. Uh, uh, more with the Marshall women's uh, softball team when we come back. Uh, I'm Ben Cower. You're listening to Sports View. Are you tired of spinning that dial and hearing the same old Top 40 stuff being overplayed? Do you go to bed at night dreaming of a station that will play music you want to hear all the time? Whether you're driving in your car or chilling on the porch, leave your dial here at 88.1 WMUL, progressive music, and other stuff that you want to hear. Having a good time. My brothers, we gather here today for one true and all-holy purpose. The summoning of the great being. Give away your essence freely, brothers. Now, arise. Arise. Yes. It's WMUL 88.1 FM. The greatest source of music, news, and sports the world has ever known. We are in debt to you. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports View. I'm Ben Cower here with the Marshall softball team. Uh, a topic that I would like to touch on, and I, I think all four of you would find great interest in this, uh, is that the Marshall Athletics recently partnered with Athliance. And uh, Athliance, for those that do not know, Athliance is a, a program that helps uh, athletes and coaches and just programs in general uh, build the, the resume and the presence on and off the field of players. Uh, a huge topic 
uh, as of recent here in the United States is that college athletes more than ever are making a brand for themselves and getting their name out there. Uh, and, you know, at that partnership that uh, Marshall Athletics has entered with Athliance is helping uh, the four of you uh, achieve that um, in, in a time where athletes are able to build their own branding and make a name for themselves. Uh, what will this new partnership change how you approach your roles as athletes and coaches as a whole? Well, I, I'll just give a general statement. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I'm kind of old school and all that stuff. That's kind of new for me. But, you know, anything that gives our athletes an opportunity to grow and to um, get their name out there or their likeness out there or their brand out there, I'm all for it. You know, so if our players are able to take advantage of whatever opportunities they have, I'm in support of that. And, you know, for me personally, that's not why I'm here. So that's not even on my radar. But for them, you know, I think that anything that they can do to help with them, you know, them growing their brand or um, getting themselves out there, I'm all for it. All right. Uh, so in all of your social media posts, and I, I find this interesting, uh, you use the hashtag brick by brick. Um, what is the meaning behind that phrase and what individually does that mean to each of you? I think to um, us as a team, we do our bricks to make sure that we our goal is to win a championship. So we want 75 bricks to win our championship. So every day we know that we have to work hard and practice and do what we have to do as a team to earn a brick every day so that we can reach our goal at the end of the day, which is win a championship for our team and bring it home to Huntington. <laughs> so, so a brick is a, a victory? A brick is a win? A brick is a win. A win for the practice, a win for the day. All right. Uh, you know... Just on the flip side of that, and losing to Louisiana Tech in the first round of the tournament last year, you know, is always it's a it's a difficult pill to swallow. Uh, but time has passed, though. New season on the horizon. Uh, how have you all grown as a team since that since that loss, and how will you apply what you've learned uh, in that time since uh, to the upcoming season? Well. Not to correct you, we beat Louisiana Tech. Oh, my, fact, my mistake. That's okay. Maya Stevenson hit one in the fourth deck of the parking garage. It was pretty an impressive win, an impressive hit, an impressive win that we had. But we did lose in the second round to Charlotte, and you know that was something that honestly last year was such a difficult year for so many reasons. And you know I kind of felt like we never, as a team, kind of we weren't able to hit our stride. We we couldn't get a rhythm. We were on and off because of COVID. Um, we were. I think we played gosh, 32 games in the 30s, and everybody else played 56. So we had, you know, we had our work cut out for us last year. And, you know, we knew, I, I honestly felt like we were starting to play our best at the end of the season because we started catching a rhythm a little bit. Um, you know, so we were able to, to beat La Tech in the, in the Conference USA tournament and then lost to Charlotte. But, you know, I think we all felt like this is not – you know, this isn't good enough. Like, we know we could do better than this. And the message I got from every player that I met with that was returning, we had meetings at the end of that tournament. They all said, this year, this wasn't what we want. We want more than this. We want better than this. We want to come out and have better, uh, you know, better focus, better rhythm, better team, better chemistry. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm telling you, the, the mentality and 
Uh, what we've seen from our team this fall has backed up everything that they've said at the end of the at the end of the year. We're all hungry for this year. We're ready to have 56 games where we can compete. We want to uh, we want to face Charlotte again. We want we're ready to face them again. And uh, you know we have a whole different mindset and a different outlook and a different team. And we're excited about what's coming this year. My, again, my apologies on that mistake. No worries. Uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, but obviously the last year, very tough for everybody. Um, it, the, what was really, for all of you, uh, the most difficult part about navigating the COVID era uh, of the past year, uh, not only for just athletics years, Marshall, but uh, in academics and athletics and just everything, what was the most difficult part about it? I think just creating relationships, whereas, you know, you were told not to – um, this I was from a different school, obviously. So, um, but anyway, but we, you know, didn't want to be too close with too many people or too many people you didn't know that who who they were exposed to, um, and so trying to mesh with your teammates and create relationships was super hard during COVID because you were also worried that if you got COVID, you would take out everybody else on the team, you would you know take away games, playing time, all that stuff. I to agree with like Sydney. That was really difficult not to be able to connect with everyone because as a team, everyone has to be connected, not just the players, but also the coaches. If you don't have that connection, it's going to be hard and show on the field that you're not connected. So I think that was extremely hard for us and having to face the new reality that we couldn't be that way because I know the game of softball is more about connecting with people and the relationships you have on the field. So that was probably tough for all of us. Yeah, and I, you know, I think our one of our our most important core value as a team here at Marshall is we are family, and it is almost impossible to create a family atmosphere when you're not allowed to be around each other, and that was really difficult. And I'm not sure, you know, any of us knew how to handle that well, uh, coaches and players alike. And you know, honestly, COVID is still a thing, and we're still mindful of it, and we're still safe. Uh, and and you know, we take care of each other and ourselves in regards to that, but. We're really, really glad that we're back to a little bit of normalcy this year, and we can really focus in on what makes us who we are as Marshall Softball, and that's one family working together and, and working on those relationships because, like Maya said, those connections and that relationship is what really takes us to the next level. Certainly, and uh, just to expand upon that, uh, you say what the core value is that you are a family. Uh, how as a team do you do you build those relationships over time? What like what team activities and just you know obviously traveling and everything. Uh, what activities and just things behind the scenes do you guys uh, do you all do to build that core value of you all as a family? Um, we do a lot of team dinners <laughs> and just cooking like at coach's house and get to know everyone. So we probably do that like um, once a month. And we do outside things together as a team. So once a month we meet as a team, like outside the coaches and like just hang out and bond wherever we want to go. Kind of like getting to know everyone because in the fall is when it's time to know like a freshman or freshman as a senior transfers, just to know everyone and make sure everyone's comfortable with each other. So we're ready as, to be unified as a team in the spring. Yeah, we're also super big on like um, team bonding activities with our um, team chaplain, Rob. And uh, there we kind of work on different trust activities and getting to know the ins and out of like the person next to us or the person to our right and our left and like being able to rely on them and trust them because in the game is softball you have to be able to trust the person next to you that they'll get that ball or be able to communicate and finding um, ways to 
kind of non-verbally communicate in some instances and knowing what um, works well for one player might not work for the, well for the next, but being able to know your teammate well enough and those team bonding things are big. And like Maya said, outside without like coaches being able to truly get on that close level and those things are really important and um, it's good that this year we're able to get those, some of those back. All right, so uh, really just uh, all, all of you, and just to head right back into, at, uh, into academics just a tad, uh, all of you are really in difficult majors uh, where, I mean, Allie, you're a, you're a biology major. Uh, Sydney, you're in comm studies even after getting that degree. And then uh, Maya, you're in, you're in journalism, I believe. Is that correct? Um, I just changed it to health science. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have a minor though. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, but I mean, just while you're you're all you know, you're you're trying to master all of these these majors at the same time as being athletes. How how do you how do you balance everything? How do you, especially in these difficult you know these difficult majors, how do you find a time to uh, perfect you know your your craft in athletics and get everything you need to get done for your classes? Time management is key. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I agree with Sydney. Time management and not procrastinating. Yep. And making sure that we kind of stay on a schedule every day in a routine really helps with managing softball, school, and most importantly, sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. I do love sleeping, and I'm terrible with procrastination. Uh, I guess just for a more fun question, uh, are any of you superstitious? Uh, any pregame rituals? Anything that you do to just, if, if you're superstitious and whatnot, any pregame rituals? What's your routine before a game? Oh, yeah. Um, I kind of wear the same wristband every single game, and I kind of change my hair up due to how it's going with the game. <laughs> like, I might start the season with bubbles and then take it out and never wear it again, and might play with a braid with a little curl at the end. But I always have to wear a ribbon or, like, I just know that it must not be a good day for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm, um, I wasn't superstitious until I got to college, and my other teammates were superstitious, and I kind of took on those rituals. But um, for some, I had to put on my left sock before my right, left shoe goes on before my right, and then my batting gloves have a certain order, the right batting glove, Eva Shield left batting glove tie the right batting glove, helmet, then the left one. And it's all at a certain time. I can't put my helmet on before I step onto the, I had to be um, up next. I can't be like in the dugout with my helmet on. Nope. And if that doesn't work after a few at-bats, I had to flip it around, but I always start that way. I am not superstitious, um, <laughs> but there's a few things that I would prefer. Like sometimes, you know, um, you know, maybe my hair just regular you know I, I don't know everything is just i just kind of roll with the flow so all right and just uh, one final question really to to close out this interview it's been a pleasure having all four of you on the show tonight uh for young fans that would really want to be the next ally harrell maya stevenson sydney Nestor, or coach megan smith lyon what advice would you give them never stop working just keep pushing and the drive you have, like, it's going to be worth it. Like, just keep working every day and you'll get to the goal and accomplish what you want to accomplish. Well, 
Well, I guess the music is rolling. Uh, it's not supposed to be rolling, but that's okay. Uh, uh, well, I guess that's going to conclude tonight's program. You've been listening to Sports View. I'm your host, Ben Cower. Uh, from everyone behind the scenes, uh, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer. Again, I'm Ben Cower here with the Marshall, uh, Marshall softball team. Thank you for listening.